As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. You win three in a row, you get out of that losing streak that we had. This credit goes to all the, the players and the coaches. Ryan Nall is in the backfield now. The pass over the middle, touchdown! That's Graham on the receiving end. Trubisky on the move, going to keep it to the end zone for the touchdown. On first and goal, Montgomery gets the call and gets the touchdown. I'm just proud of our players for understanding where we sat going into today's game. Trubisky steps up, throws for the end zone, wide open, touchdown, Jimmy Graham. Pierce, left side, walks into the end zone. We know that we're guaranteed one more game. If we do well in that one game, then we'll have an opportunity for more. Now, here to do their part, here to contribute to the win. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. We're the bad guys, and they're the good guys. Uh, and I'll be damned if we're going to let the good guys win. Yeah, we're uh, actually the good guys, and they're the bad guys, so. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Is this horse shampoo? Makes my hair shine like Orion's belt. I'm this, and I'm dead, sick. Strap it down. It's Hogan Johns. I can get used to this winning Today was a good day for the Chicago Bears. Easy victory. So yeah, he well, didn't look easy at some points. Looked actually quite scary at some points, but what a third quarter. I've been telling you, this team is a third quarter football team. <laughs> I've been saying it all season. I, I set you up there. You paused a little bit. I got worried about you there for a second. <laughs> I, I, uh, I was adjusting my microphone. Getting ready here, rolling uh, just as the Bears are. The three-game win streak and a chance to beat the Packers to get in the playoffs. Where have we ever seen this before? <laughs> this is fun, but don't. Whew. That um, was from a different era of a different coaching staff that uh, went south quickly. This feels a little bit different, does it not? Mm, I don't know. It depends who you're talking to. It seems like half our listeners and Twitter followers want everybody still fired and can't stomach the idea of Mitch Trubisky coming back next year. And then, uh, you know, the other half is like, all right, let's go. I'm thinking optimistic playoffs, run it back. Let's, let's see what happens here. So what's the, what year is that? 2013? Yes. Yeah. Not good. 2013. Week 17, uh, the difference was the division was on the line. 
Bears were, looked like they were going to win. Did the Packers and, win the division with like an eight and seven and one record that year? Yeah, both teams were bad. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, but they could have gotten in. The Bears were pretty good at one point that year. Pretty good offensively, but I think they started three and zero. Yeah, this team's trending differently. I would say. Yeah, I mean, especially offensively, it is remarkable. It truly is remarkable. Trying to figure out what has happened with this team. I mean, and this that's what I ended up writing about at NBCSportsChicago.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue. That's me, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. I'm, Johns, I wrote about how, like, if you had gone into a coma after the <laughs> Bears-Vikings game, the Monday night game before the bye week, and then you woke up and somebody told you uh, that the Bears had scored 30-plus points in four straight games, the uh, terrible offensive line was now the team's biggest strength. The uh, team that could not score a point in the third quarter had one offensive touchdown in the third quarter in the first 13 games. Outscored the Jaguars 21 to nothing today in the third quarter. Two straight good third quarter games. That Trubisky's back as the quarterback, and uh, he's played so well that the Bears might have to bring him back. Like, I mean, just none of this was a possibility well, even a, a month ago. if a person was coming out of a coma, I'd celebrate the fact they were getting out of the coma first. Adam, right. And then I yeah, would afford it. 2020 <laughs> PC culture. I, I'm, surprised I, I haven't, I'm surprised I haven't gotten a tweet <laughs> like that. How could you write about somebody being in a coma? All right. Well, then after I, I celebrate the fact that they're out of the coma, I would... Then notify them of what the Bears have been doing. And you're right. It's been, I think you said it, Dan Pompey has said it. It's been like three different seasons we've covered, right? Has it not? You had the Trubisky start, the Foles. What do you want to call that? Like, uh, it started off okay, but train, train wreck work for you? Um, the Nick Foles era, which era? may not oh. be over. Yeah, okay. But, uh, here, no, the, the Nick Foles season within the season. Okay, okay. Train was, wreck was, uh, was a okay. train wreck, yeah. And then you have the Trubisky resurgence. <laughs> I love, now that you mentioned Nick Foles, this will be the last time we talk about Nick Foles in this podcast, at least, uh, that he got in the game in the same game that Mike Lennon <laughs> was playing in the same game that Trubisky outplayed Mike Lennon. And it was just one of those Lion King, you know, circle of life moments where Nick Foles comes in. Hands the ball off to David Montgomery, Artavius Pierce, and then kneels the game out for the victory. <laughs> like, that, who would have thunk that? That's I mean, that was in my column too. Like Nick Foles only plays in mop up duty now when the Bears score too many points. What? Crazy. So look, good game today. Allen Robinson was great. Probably should have had that touchdown and early on in the game that fade, but ended up not really mattering. David Montgomery. Look, look here's what. I, Here's what I think matters in this game that you could spin forward to week 17. Because to be honest, the Jaguars just suck. They were tanking. They played Mike Glennon. As we all kind of joked around about them doing, they actually did. Great move by Doug Marone. Should probably be coach of the year for that move. And so I don't know how much you can take away from this game. But there's a couple things I think you can. One, did the defense do anything today that made you feel drastically better about them slowing down Aaron Rodgers next week? No, but I, I like what Roquan Smith did. I really did. Yeah, okay. Two 
intercept. He's he Roquan Smith did what he's been doing. He just happened to get the ball near. Him. I don't think he's intercepted a pass this year. I'm, but he's <laughs> always around the ball, and once yeah. you're around the ball, eventually so you're that should get, be good. Yes, I know what yeah. you're saying. Um, the defense looked leaky. Your word, leaky in the first yeah. half. Um, I think you could take some things. I, I'm being maybe overly optimistic here, but remember, you're that, playing Aaron. Right, no, that's fine. No, I, I get not it. Mike Glennon. One of the best quarterbacks of, of all time, but when the when it was needed, you know, the the Jaguars did have some juice going a bit, and Roquan Smith put it into he drank that juice. Then he then he spat spat it out. It happened with that interception. He like he he gave them three points. That got weird real quick there. <laughs> uh he did he did help Mitch Trubisky because that. Yes. On the list of bad decisions that Mitch Trubisky has made in his career, that was that it's was like one A. It's like Oh 1A. my lord. Yeah, it might be actually one. But I you know, quick conversation on that. I don't think anything in the Mitch Trubisky conversation changed today at all. If anything, it just confirms what we've been saying. Which is if you put Trubisky, if you scheme to Mitch Trubisky's strengths and away from his weaknesses, he is a quarterback that can win you games. A lot of games. A lot of good things are going to happen. However, you're still going to have to live with the occasional boneheaded mistake, even in that scenario. If you don't put him in position to succeed, he's just going to be downright bad. Like, I don't, I don't think today's game changed any of that because in the first quarter... Or the first half, I should say, like, and this was the 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 offensive side of what I was going to talk about. That maybe you spin forward towards next week. Like, I I thought Nagy and Bill Lazor were starting to fall into that trap of getting away from the things that have been so successful, like not running with David Montgomery enough. I think he only had eight first half carries, if I remember right. Like, not enough. And there's too many times where Mitch was just drop back passing, which you normally don't want. His footwork was getting sloppy. The passes were coming out wobbly. And it was just starting to go down to this, like, oh, we've seen this story before. But in the second half, they they changed all that. And the offense started running through Montgomery more in the second half, and good things happened. Well, I think you can all go back to that Colt Clement run, the run play, right? Like, that, that whole sequence of plays felt off, and once Trubisky threw a pretty good pass to Allen Robinson that was dropped for a touchdown, like I felt like the game, the mood of the game changed a bit. Like the nerves took over, the pressure took over. I put this on Twitter, like they were were playing tight, like even the defense was playing tight, like all the pressure of the playoffs, the scrutiny, the the, the, the need to to be perfect almost settled in, and I felt like the, the Smith turnover, the Roquan Smith interception helped change some of that, but yeah, that Trubisky interception, like that was a broken down play. There was like nothing to read there. Just throw the ball away. Like, I get the idea of trying to make a play, but that's where the pressure I felt like took him over for a bit. You know, the, the pressure to make a play after they failed to score a touchdown previously when they were in a goal-to-goal situation. Like, I felt like the, the mood of the game shifted for them in the first half. So I thought the Jaguars had some juice. Yeah. I think we uh, everyone's so gets so anxious about every one of Mitch's mistakes, right? Like it was a bad mistake. That's how we led this conversation off. It was, it was one of his one of his worst, but like it doesn't mean you can't come out in the second half and do all those good things. But 
the coaching part of it matters, and they have to work together. Like this is a situation where they have to be in lockstep. The coaches, the calls need to help the quarterback. If that happens, you can have some success. So I, you know, on that side of the ball, if you go back to that Packer game, that ugly, awful Packer game, that was the game where we first saw signs of this working on the offensive side of the ball. And so as I look ahead the next week. I feel like you should be able to continue some of the success with the right game plan and the right calls and, and Mitch avoiding those mistakes. Remember against the Packers, Mitch tried to throw that deep shot into double coverage and it got picked off? Mm-hmm. You know, like, got to avoid that kind of stuff. But my concern is more on the defensive side of the ball. And like, I don't know that anything today made me feel better about how they're going to match up against that Packers offense. Well, can I stick on Trubisky for a point? Sure. Like, going back to that Packers game, like, I guess where I struggle with this point in the the criticism of him is what did you expect him to do in his first game back from injury, playing against Aaron Rodgers after being benched in Week 3 with a brand-new offense, essentially, put in? Wasn't he supposed to struggle a bit? Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that game's now used... As the well, what did he do against the Packers? Well, like, what did you expect him to do? Like, I feel like your expectations. I actually thought he played okay in that game. Yeah, I I thought he was going to struggle. History says he struggles in in games coming back from injury. Oh, let's throw in a new offense. Let's throw in the the benching wrinkle. He was supposed to probably suck worse in that game, but it'll be interesting to see what can carry over from this past three weeks into that one. But yeah. You can be rightfully concerned about the defense, but the, I had a tweet that was, I guess, you know, meant for hot takes or what are old takes, you know, exposed, whatever you want to call it. Like, I thought the defense looked awful. Like, I, I was concerned, like, oh, here we go. Mike Lennon might pick him apart. He was like 14 of 18 at one point. Yeah. So here, I'm going to give you some advice. I'm going to give you some advice right now. Keep thinking about that. Not whatever you're thinking about happened later in the game that's making you doubt your initial reaction. Your initial instinct was right, Johns. Just because they got a couple balls that bounced the right way against the awful Jacksonville Jaguars does not take away what has been showing up on tape now for a few weeks. I am not at all confident in the defense going into next week. Well, especially with that Packers game on tape. I get that's it. I, I get it. I no, mean. no, I, I'm just saying. No, I understand your your feelings completely. They did change things against the Jaguars, and, and I 100% understand that Aaron Rodgers is, is a different different animal to tame in this one. But let them celebrate a little bit. But I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But hey, maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't playing. Well, there's a lot to still figure out. Um, unfortunately, unless we waited to record this thing like at midnight tonight, the uh, the the late game results, the the night game with the Packers, and how this is all going to sort out. Right now, as it stands, there's still a chance that the uh, the Packers won't be playing their starters. Although I think right now Seattle is going to win, and so that I believe makes. The Packers have to play the starters next week. Okay. Extremely confusing, especially with the newly created seventh seed now factoring into the equation, but good. Good. So be it. Yeah. 
because I believe the uh, Seattle would still be a game back, and there's a way that there's ties and stuff where it can all still uh, Green Bay would have to play for stuff. However, I believe there's also potentially a scenario now, uh, depending on when, because there's talk, and we you may already know this by the time that, that you listen to this podcast, what the Sunday night game is going to be, because there's some talk it could be Bears-Packers. But if you do that, the results of the Rams-Cardinals game in the afternoon could then impact what's at stake in the night game between Bears and Packers. And in that type of scenario, if the broadcast, uh, you know, if the NFL creates that broadcast situation, there is one scenario where the Bears could rest their starters because they'd be locked into the seventh seed. So that's why I don't know that that's going to happen, but we'll try to make sense of this all later. So I've been thinking about what you said about the, the concerns of the Bears defense. Here's, here's here's what I'll say about this, since we're now talking ourselves into an Aaron Rodgers, Mitch Trubisky showdown in primetime television in Week 17, right? That's what we're talking about. I don't think the Bears defense, I don't think they've played good, played well, but they're not as bad as they played that day. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's reasons for concern. Lots of them. Meet like today earlier, a couple third down conversions by Mike Lennon. That sucks. Don't do that. Be better. Maybe play a little tighter coverage. Yeah. Get that pass rush going. Chuck Pagano, get a bit more creative. But all that said, I don't think they're as bad as they were. Like, I, they were awful against the Packers in that first matchup. But I don't think that's really them. Does that make sense? Like, they're not great anymore. You should be concerned about them in a lot of different ways, but they're not that bad. Like, Packers blow out, win bad. Right, but they might be Vikings game last week, Lions game bad. It's fair. You know, they're they're probably not as good as what they did against Deshaun Watson and the Texans a few weeks ago, or what they did against the Jaguars today. And that is what's, I think, concerning considering you're going up against that Packers offense. I think what I'm concerned about and growingly concerned about is Chuck Pagano's, it's called blandness, right? What's your old friend Tim Jennings say? Like very vanilla? vanilla. Like doesn't it feel like I, I get you could be vanilla against the, the Jaguars, but at times it felt like, hey, you might want to like get your guys going here. Like th- this could be extremely threatening if if they keep if Mike Glennon keeps continuing to have success. It's like there's a magnet sometimes that's just pulling the defensive backs backward at the snap. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, we're playing ten yards off. Let's make it fifteen twenty yards off. And it's like oh, well, there's an easy pass underneath for a first down. Isn't it maddening sometimes yeah, watching yeah, that? Like, well, it gets me like you always want your your coverage and, and pass rush to work in tandem. Like you're not getting anything consistently to provide that sense of cushion, right? Mm-hmm. You need to make things more difficult for these receivers so your pass rush can have an extra half second to possibly get home, right? Like, and I get that you know playing man coverage with guys you're not comfortable playing man coverage has its faults and concerns, but. I mean, this pass rush, with all that money that's being spent up there, it, it has to get going. It has to. It's on Chuck Pagano to find creative ways to get it going. Send the linebackers if you have to. Although, don't put Robert Quinn in coverage. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that well, that was right. another concern today. That the 
the pass rush was it picked up a little bit in the second half, but really in that first half. You won sacks by Danny Trevathan. Yeah. So I guess the point is, look, we're going into week 17. That we've been talking about this stuff every single week, the whole season. You know, it's it's been a defense that hasn't lived up to expectations. It's still pretty good. I'd say this: I would feel better about them shutting down Aaron Rodgers if the stadium was full, and it was going to be like a real home field advantage next week at Soldier Field. You know, you you take that part out of it and. Give Rodgers a little bit more freedom at the line of scrimmage and not have to worry about snap counts, things like that. You know, it evens the playing field. And the playing field with Aaron Rodgers is already tilted that way. So I, I'm just bringing up some concerns about it. Now, yeah. on, the, on the other side, I've been, I guess, going out on a limb a little bit and saying that I, I think a good portion of this offensive turnaround is real. I... I I, li- I can hear the arguments about who they've played, and okay, they're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you know a lot of bad defenses here recently. But I think you also need to realize or remember how awful they were before. Like that Vikings defense that Mitch did whatever he did last week was the same Vikings defense that held them to like 143 total yards. Before the bye week. Three yards per play. So, like, you know, if they're playing the Colts defense again or, I don't know, the Steelers or some of those teams, like, I or, I don't know how confident I feel. I do think there's some legitimacy to the changes that have been made. Offensive line, schematically, with Mitch, with the running game, getting things going. Like, it is, they are concrete changes. And I think that... They showed signs of life the first time against the Packers because that's when the changes first started to come in. And with this much more experience and execution over the last few weeks since that Packer game, as worried as I am about the defense next week, I am also optimistic that the Bears are going to be able to score. This is what I... Which is remarkable, by the way. That's what we're talking about. Like, can the Bears win a shootout against the Packers? Like, what I would do is look at the first few weeks. Like people, ourselves included, noticed the changes offensively. It felt good. It looked good. Trubisky looked better. Heck, even Pro Football Focus was giving good reviews to Mitch Trubisky early on in the season, right? Yeah. Like there was progress being made. But you know what, Adam? There was no production. At the end of the day, there was no production early on in the season. Progress, no production. There's a ton of production right now. For the first time since 1965, they've surpassed or reached 30 points in four consecutive games. Think about that. Yeah. I don't care who you're playing. You just lit up Deshaun Watson and the Texans. You just lit up the Jaguars. Like, 41 points is still 41 points. Well, and speaking of that production, Trubisky's a viable fantasy option all of a sudden. I went ahead and I did it. I played him in my championship. Good for you. Good for you. I benched Russell Wilson. I think it barely paid off. Russell actually had a decent day against the Rams, but still, it was the right move. That's crazy. Like I, another thing, and we can keep going through. Is like another thing a month ago I never thought was possible, but it speaks to what you're saying. The production there is actually happening. It matters if you're you're trying to quantify progress and how meaningful it is. Yeah. Look at the early results. These are different. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Johns, we need to run through some playoff scenarios. They get a little wacky. They get a little confusing. But here's what we know as of now because we do have some results that have gone final while we've been recording. So Seattle did beat the Rams. and Seattle wins the NFC West. That means Seattle and New Orleans both have a chance to get that number one seed next week. Which means Aaron Rodgers is going to have to play. Now, the only variable sort of in all this is when the hell the games are going to get played. My guess, and this is a guess right now, is that they'll kind of be stacked up in the late afternoon window. Theoretically, you still have something for the Packers to play for in the evening if it is a night game. Anyway, there is a scenario where if the Cardinals beat the Rams and the Bears beat the Packers... The Rams would actually be the team out of the playoffs, Johns, and the Bears would get the sixth seed. Now, I can't go higher than the sixth seed, but all this talk about just sneaking in with this extra wild card spot, it's actually possible they get in as the sixth seed. <laughs> Can I say something about the extra wild card spot? Like, for this season in the NFC, I am 100% for it, especially with, with what's going on in the NFC East, right? Like, you're going to have a losing football team win that division. Like that's why I'm all for in Get most cases that extra team yeah. in because look at the NFC East this year. They're a disaster. None of those teams belong in this, but by default they get in. That's why I like the extra seat. Well, and I'll give you another reason. As I'm looking at my TV right now, if the Titans lose to the Packers tonight, you could have five teams at 10 and 5 in the AFC. Five teams. Those are all deserving teams and one of them is not going to get in like right now the Colts are outside of the playoff picture in the AFC even though they're 10 and 5 so I don't have a problem with it and I think people are going to love it wild card weekend when you're going to have three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday how awesome is that going to be I'm going to love it It, it, it's going to be like yesterday for those that watch football all day yesterday on Saturday having that triple header of games the great husbands we are (laughs) Uh, yeah. 
Trust me, my uh, <laughs> my family hates me right now with uh, me screaming in every game about some random player that I have in fantasy. One quick side note or quick joke about this whole pandemic season, mm-hmm. like the random Tuesday games, like they threw my wife for a total loop. What, football's on again? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's going to be on Thursday too. You know, just... I'm, you know, I'm just laughing because I can watch whoever wants to play. But yeah, absolutely. Do you want to run through the, the playoff simulations we went through and to put the more intriguing thing that could come about yeah. in two weeks? Well, just think about what I just said there, where there's a scenario where the Bears get the sixth seed. So what that would require is the Bears to beat the Packers, which I don't know if that's going to happen, but it could, and Arizona to beat the Rams. And that Cardinals-Rams game right now next week kind of seems... Like it could be a toss-up either way. Both teams really need it. With the Bears beating the Packers, they would not get the one seed then. And either New Orleans or Seattle, the results of their games, what could happen is the Packers fall to the three seed. And if you're following what I'm telling you right now, that means that the wild card game in two weeks could be the Bears going to Lambeau Field to play the Packers. How do you like that? I don't love it. It happens every once in a while where you get the same teams that play in week 17 play again the following week. I think there's a potential scenario in the AFC where that happens with Buffalo and Miami because they play each other next week, and I think there's a scenario where they can play each other in the wild card round. I'll say this. Off the top of my head, for some reason, I feel like the Bears would have a better chance of beating the Seahawks or the Saints, actually, in the first round than them somehow beating the Packers twice in two weeks. Just doesn't sound very likely to me. Is that fair? Yeah, that is fair. But it is intriguing. Sorry, I'm playing with the playoff simulator right now. Well, what are you finding out? You yeah. were supposed to do this during the break we took. <laughs> and then you were supposed to have like something to bring to the table and came back. Yes. No, I went and got some water and used the restroom. Okay. <laughs> came back. All right. That's pretty much what could play out. I mean, the the... the the scenarios are the Bears can either be the 6th or the 7th seed. It's probably far more likely they'll be the 7. But the important thing to point out is all they need is the Cardinals to lose. And the Rams should be very motivated. It, yeah. It, it, if the Cardinals lose to the Rams, and the Rams need to win it basically to get in, the, the Bears are in. Boy, they don't have the, to beat the Packers. The, the season's really gotten off the rails there for the Rams for a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, it has lately. I mean, really just the last two weeks. Jared Goff's not playing well. It just losing to the losing to the Jets out of nowhere kind of changed everything. Jets won again today. Just so everyone's following, if the Bears lose to Green Bay, but the Rams beat the Cardinals, that scenario I just brought up, Bears are still in. They would most likely play New Orleans in the wild card round. The Packers would get the one seed. For the Packers, it's pretty simple. Win, you're the one seed. It's just good. If, if you're the Bears, to be entertaining this conversation. It's good if you're Ryan Pace, now sitting at home. Oh, he's probably still on the flight coming back from Jacksonville. So on this flight back from Jacksonville, pull up ESPN's playoff simulator and go through these himself. Like, it's been quite the turnaround. I get that they've played bad teams, but they still have to beat those bad teams. And they're not, you know, by beating those bad teams, doesn't make the Bears the worst team in the league. You know, this season, as we talk about the Rams losing control of their of their story a bit, the Bears have it now. Yeah. They're in full control of their destiny, as they like to say today, or have said all week. So let me ask you this question. If the Bears do get in, what kind of noise can they realistically make in the playoffs? 
Well, I guess it depends on who they're playing. Like, I feel like they can make some noise against the Saints. If Nick Foles can play well against them, I think Mitch Trubisky could play a tad bit better. Now, that Saints defense has improved since then, while the Bears defense, as we've mentioned earlier on this podcast, has tailed off a bit. But that could be a favorable matchup, especially for Drew Brees not having the arm strength that he once had. Well, one of the things about this new seven seed is if you're fortunate fortunate enough to somehow beat the two seed that you face, your reward is to go play the one seed. So it's it's not a very friendly spot to be in. Part of, of me course, thinks yeah. just getting in is noise enough to feel good about things here in Chicago. Now, this is where things become a contentious debate in Chicago is because, right. you know, you got that extra seven seed. You know, should you clean house? What happens with Mitch Trubisky? And I get all that. But if you make the playoffs, my best guess, call it an educated guess if you want, is that they all come back, Trubisky included. They just want to see this through through one more year. And then if it fails, then you fire them all. That would be my educated guess if they make the playoffs. Did you see Schefter's story this morning? Didn't we already talk about that like on a podcast last week? Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say, where he kind of wrote and said everything that we've been saying in Chicago now for a couple weeks, but had a you know an anonymous executive say it. So you know maybe, I don't know, felt... That's not why I brought it up. The one thing in that story, though, that I didn't really have, you know, blaring in my mind that stood out to me, and I don't have it in front of me the second, but the record of Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky together. Yeah. It's outstanding. Oh, uh, maybe maybe outstanding strong. It's pretty damn good. It's a winning one. It's not just a winning one by like, oh, technically you have a winning record. It's like... They've been a pretty. They've won a lot of games together. They really have. I see it every day, every game. Uh, the people who killed Trubisky today for the interception. It was an obviously an awful interception. But not that you have to accept mediocrity. Like nobody's saying you should do that. You shouldn't. The Bears should always be on a quest to find that franchise changing quarterback. But you can do a lot worse than a lot of these other situations where you have systems that are helping out quarterbacks that are somewhat limited, but finding ways to score enough points and win a lot of football games. It's not a terrible place to be in. It took San Francisco all the way to the Super Bowl last year. Heck, it took the Bears to the Super Bowl a long time ago with Rex Grossman. Yeah, I I feel like where the criticism of the bring back Trubisky talk, where it falls short, is it fails to take into account the actual replacements. Like, the the actual... Like, this is more nuanced than just throwing up career numbers of Mitch Trubisky. Right? It's more than that. It's like, who are you replacing him with? They already tried that with Nick Foles. That did not go well. Trubisky has been vastly better. I'll use the word vastly. Like, who are you replacing him with? Are you going to get one at the 17th or 18th overall pick? We talked about that in the podcast last week. No, you're not. Are you signing Cam Newton? Guy can't throw the ball anymore. No. Is Phillip Rivers coming here, or is he sticking with Indianapolis? Andy Dalton? Trade for Dak Prescott. I see that smile. (laughs) 
But yeah, like, that's looking very unlikely now that the Cowboys. Well, when that was written, the Cowboys might have had the number four overall pick. Now they might be in the playoffs. So in terms of realistic options, who could be potentially better than Mitch Trubisky? There isn't one. You know who's better than Trubisky right now? How about Trubisky with a full training camp, a full offseason running a system like the Bears have run the past month? Maybe well, give that I, a whirl. And I think that that's also what people are refusing to believe or want to accept. The idea that quarterbacks can get better. That coaches can get better. I wrote this I wrote this on Christmas Eve. On why I, I think I honestly think it would be a mistake right now to fire Matt Nagy. That yeah. there's you're talking about a young head coach who's only in his third season. And there is such a thing as improving. I mean, how many head coaches are there right now in the NFL? like good ones, that failed the first time around. Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to put Nagy on those. But you think you think the Browns regret firing Belichick? Nick Saban? You know what I mean? Like, you have to be able to open your mind to the idea of what you're watching right now. Might be groundbreaking improvement from the head coach. It might not be, but do you want to take that risk, or do you want to run it back for one more year to see if he can build on this? Yeah, and that may or may not include Trubisky. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier. There's some real changes and progress that have happened here. Maybe they've come against easier defenses. Maybe, but they're tangible differences and you just can't dismiss them because of stuff that happened in the past like you got to open up your mind to the idea that players and coaches can improve you still have to go out there and execute you still have to go out there and produce Trubisky played well was this his best game of this most recent stretch no I think he was better in previous games obviously he missed a couple throws today we already talked about the interception but he played well enough to win Made more than enough plays. More than enough plays. That third quarter, the third down conversions, the fourth down pass to, to Allen Robinson, the naked boot into the end zone, those are good things. Those are good things. Can I tie this back to the Jaguars game real quick? Yeah. Because I feel like some people were uh, – so like Rich Gannon was very critical of Trubisky, which is all fair. I thought he was actually very good, right? He called that interception exactly how he should have. Yes. Because that's yes. how bad of a play it was. Yes. What did you think about his analysis in the second half? I don't know. Nothing really stood out to me, I guess, yeah, either I, way. I, I thought he was still a little harsh. I'm not defending Trubisky or over-critiquing the analysis. But to your point, Adam, about how quarterbacks can improve in time and given the right situation with the right coaches, Rich Gannon himself, the man who was criticizing Mitch Trubisky throughout this game, is a good example of that. Didn't go to his first Pro Bowl till he was 34 years old and had Mark Tressman as his offensive coordinator. It's true, right? Like Tressman was his coach then? Yes. Yeah. I think he was. Just a thought. That's a good point. Let me put it this way. I think the ceiling on Matt Nagy as a head coach is way higher than Trubisky as a quarterback. Like I'm not trying to 
as we continue to have this like seemingly endless conversation, I don't think anybody here is trying to convince you that Trubisky is going to be a special quarterback. Like, it's not what we're saying. We are saying that there's a good chance he's going to be the best option the Bears have in 2021. And in this offense, the one the Bears have been running more recently, the Bears can still win a lot of games. Like, that's the point. Um, and I realize that you're probably going to get the response from somebody saying, yeah, but you can't accept that. You got to go get, you know, that elite quarterback. You should always be striving for that. And how are you going to do that? So is that what you really want, to blow it up and to go back in tank mode and hope that maybe a year from now you end up with a top three pick again? How'd that work out last time? Just because it's a different GM doesn't mean it's going to have different results. I'm just saying, like... Tons of teams everywhere make bad picks. Hi. I think we. Let's just be honest. I think I, I've seen enough. I think you're with me on this. Where this should play out again one more year, and that I understand how this could be, like that's a a painstaking realization for some people to have. But at this point, I don't see who the better option is at quarterback for the Bears in 2021. Maybe you take one in the second round. Maybe that's your swing on this. Like like we've talked with we talked about with the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. But who is it? Yeah. How does it happen? And you know what too is like I feel like we've seen so if Nagy wins next week, he's gonna be twenty nine and twenty in three years. Not more well, he's guaranteed not to have a losing season now by winning the eighth game today. So he hasn't had a losing season in three years. And he'll have two playoff appearances in three years. Like, first of all, you just can't fire a guy with that resume. Especially if you're the Bears. You know, so I I feel like that takes it off the table right away. But what I was going to say is, I think there's a pretty good chance with him going forward that there's there's been enough evidence that the Bears are going to be pretty competitive. And ultimately, don't you want that? Like, don't you want to be playing meaningful games in December? Or well, you, you want to be competitive. You want to be competitive to the point where you're consistent in the playoffs, with those years where you're competitive for a Super Bowl. Did the Bears look like that this year? No, but they're competitive enough to have to be in line for a playoff spot. That's a start. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is there's a good chance the Bears might be going down a road where they're like Minnesota, and they're in the mix every year and they make the playoffs a lot and they may experience some heartbreaking losses in those playoffs and they never get the Super Bowl. And ultimately you want the Super Bowl. But I guess the other option is to go down Tank Town and maybe also known as Jacksonville. Maybe you strike gold and get that quarterback and be end up being the Chiefs. I'd say there's a way higher likelihood that you just like continue to flounder and be the Detroit Lions. And that's not what you want, right? So, and you know what? You can even argue with the Chiefs is like that they were sort of stuck in that middle ground with Alex Smith, and they made the bold move in the right year at the right time to go get their guy. So, there's a lot of different ways to do this. And me, personally, 
my recommendation is that you stay competitive if you can. And I think right now with what we've seen over the last month is that the Bears can do that by keeping this group together next year. Stay competitive. If the swing presents itself, maybe you take it yeah. in some fashion. But who knows? Maybe one of the guys drops to wherever the Bears end up and you could take your swing there. I mean, that's how Aaron Rodgers got to Green Bay. It's another possibility. I'd rather be in that position than uh, just how many teams are constantly picking in the top 10 and still bad? Jacksonville. And Jacksonville looks like a great place right now. But how many years did it take them? How it's many Detroit years did it take thing. Jacksonville to get in position to get Trevor Lawrence? And even after all that losing, they still needed a miraculous win from the Jets over the Rams to get in the number one spot. And, and here, here's another thing. They could still mess it up. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> they could. Like, look at Deshaun Watson in, in Houston. Right. They could draft Trevor Lawrence and screw everything else up around him. Yes. Still be a bad team. Still have mismanagement. Still have bad coaches coming in and out. Still have infighting. Still have bad offensive lines. No defenses. Trade your best receiver. <laughs> All right. Well, in the meantime, the Bears are, as we sit right now, in a playoff spot. Can they keep it? There's one week to go. A win, and they're in. A loss, and they get some help, and they still might be in. Very, just very uh, crazy that they're even in this spot, to be honest and have a chance to beat their rival. Uh, and, of course, if they win that game, I think everybody's definitely back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As I've said before in this podcast, everybody, it's better than the alternative. It truly is. What's the alternative again? Well, losing to the Texans. Oh, yeah. Losing hey, to remember the when they lost to the Lions, though? It'd be nice if they had yeah. that win now. Oof. They'd already be in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, that was like, like it's trade off after the. They could open. even, I think, in that scenario, been in a position to maybe tie the box, have the tiebreaker over the box, and get to play Washington in the first round. That would have been nice. Wait, Tom Brady's going to get Washington yeah, in the is. first round, isn't he? Everything's oh, always yeah. coming up, Tom. Brady. All right, follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H O G E at Adam Johns J A H N S. You can read my post-game column, NBCSportsChicago.com. Johnsy's up at The Athletic, TheAthletic.com. Slash Hogan Johns is where you go to subscribe. Johns, you want to plug your book real quick? Yeah, um, I do. <laughs> I was not expecting this. You can go to Barber'sBooks.com, everybody. You get 30% off Shy Bears 30 It's the Big 50, the men in the moments that make the Chicago Bears. Check it out if you can. All right. We'll be back Tuesday. We'll have a uh, more concrete picture of who's playing when, what it all means, and uh, a better idea maybe what the Bears' chances are after the Packers play tonight because as we're recording this, we haven't even seen the Packers play the Titans. So uh, It's going to be a fun week. It's always fun when it comes down to Bears-Packers, and that's what's here. So enjoy it, everybody. You should, and we will talk to you on Tuesday. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless.